G'day. Welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, you are live with the online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. Uh, I'm the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and I'm your pod screen, podcast and live stream host. So uh, a very warm welcome to you. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, reputation management, uh, communications, uh, stakeholder communications, uh, in partly in a restructuring scenario, uh, but also uh, when there's other major events in a business uh, where, where uh, you've got messaging out amongst your stakeholders, employees, suppliers, customers, and, uh, and how, we, how we manage those things so that when you're trying to restructure a business or when you're trying to go from point A to point B, whatever the, you know, the nature of the transition might be, uh, you've got all your stakeholders uh, marching along by your side to, so you can hit your objective and, um, and everybody, you know, and so it's about messaging and et cetera, et cetera. So we've got two experts uh, joining us. We've got Holly Reynolds, uh, who's a communications expert uh, from Left Field, and Shane Dean, from uh, who's a restructuring expert from um, from Dianco. Before I introduce them, uh, just uh, regular housekeeping. If you're watching live, uh, you can ask us a question. And uh, anyone, whoever asks the best questions, ask a decent question, and I'll send you this, the lunch money mug. Um, You'll, you'll, we'll post that to you if you ask a good question. Uh, the other thing I'd ask you to do is, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hit the hit the subscribe button, hit the uh, notification button, um, and subscribe to our podcast on on Apple or uh, or Google or whatever your uh, favourite podcasting platform might be. Okay, that done. I will introduce our first uh, guest today, who is Holly Reynolds. G'day, Holly. How are you? Good, Nick. Great to be here. Fantastic. It's really great to, to, to have you along. It's uh, You've got uh, a, a very sort of specific skill set. We don't we don't often talk about uh, talk about these these this area in in our in our live stream, so it's really good to have someone with a different angle. Now, Holly, you are a communications expert. Uh, you do a lot in property development, construction, but also business uh, generally with corporate uh, corporate communications and public relations. Um, now, your your business is left field communications. Um, tell us what is it that keeps someone like you busy. Uh, well, we're fortunate we've got a lot of things that keep us busy, Nick. As you said, we specialise in property development and construction and uh, we do a lot of um, work with clients fundamentally to establish and maintain and sometimes repair their, uh, their reputation and that comes in many forms. So we deal with the media on a daily basis um, in different ways. We might be launching property projects for clients. We might be making announcements for them. We might be managing issues for them. Um, and this week, for example, we've been working on some great community engagement programs as well for some ter terrific clients that have um, brilliant projects that have a lot of social good involved in them. So it's really diverse, the work that we do, but at the heart of it, we are about building those reputations, maintaining them and, and really looking after them and being our client's champion. So yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about reputation repair, but it's also, you know, you're, you're much... Um, the front of that in terms of building a reputation in the first place. What what are the sort of issues that uh, that you you know that you get called in to assist with in the, in the property development area? You know the sort of things that, that might go wrong that that you get called in to to help um, smooth over. Yeah, look, they can be um, issues around um, potential construction issues uh, on projects and 
Um, there might be uh, something that's, uh, you know, potentially a, a big legal issue. We might be called in on that to help with the messaging and getting that right and understanding the stakeholders and who we need to, to deal with. Um, we get involved really when there's a lot of change in the business as well. So if there's acquisitions or disposals, we get involved in that to manage the messaging. And um, we also did work, in fact, on, on one of the biggest issues the industry's faced in, in quite a while. We were um, working on the issues in crisis management for the Opal Tower um, scenario of a couple of years ago. So that was sort of a once in a career situation. Um, and it's probably the uh, the ultimate kind of crisis um, that we we see and would want to see regularly, I have to say. And that, that so with that Opal Tower, I mean, who were you communicating with? Uh, obviously, there's the owners of the building. I mean, who 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 are the who are the targets for your communications? Uh, look, that was that was a really interesting one because, of course, there was the developer involved in that and the builder, um, and. Both we were brought in with with the developer, but worked um, alongside the the builder in in a in a way as well. So we had obviously the the residents and the owners were were critical to be communicating with, but we also had the political overlay. Um, there was a lot of interaction with the state government and there was a lot of interaction with um, the media on a daily basis, of course. But um, above and beyond that a range of key stakeholders, um, existing partners, other suppliers, financiers, the list runs long. So it was a very busy time. I don't want to um, <laughs> I don't want to get into a rabbit hole that takes up the next three hours because I'm sure no, I the next question uh, <laughs> I could. But you know, I wonder once upon a time you had press releases, you know, but now, uh, you know, now there's YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of thing. So is a press release still a thing? I mean, how or is it so funny you mentioned that because I just had this conversation yesterday with with um, a, another contact of mine, and uh, it is it is still a thing. Um, but you know, in in ongoing in live crisis situations, um, daily media briefings, uh, calls, and um, emails to media uh, are the done thing. But um, press releases, we do them day in day out. So yeah, very very important tool of the trade still. Yeah, I guess uh, once upon a time, you, you know, you do the press release and it was in the news and you sort of deal with the news cycle day to day. But these days, of course, someone can can jump on, I don't know, Instagram or, or, or Facebook and make a comment and the whole thing's gone to hell in the next five minutes. So, but look, we won't, uh, we, 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 as I say, that's a whole topic <laughs> I'm personally fascinated by. But uh, we'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll just put you back in the waiting room for now and sure. we'll introduce our next guest. And our next guest is Shane Dean. Uh, Shane, g'day Shane, how are you? Good, Nick, and yourself? Fantastic, fantastic. Um, now Shane's an insolvency and turnaround specialist, registered liquidator, he's with Die & Co Insolvency Practitioners. Uh, now you are a refugee or a, I don't know, what, what do we call it? You're in Sydney now, but you're on the run from Melbourne. I think, yeah, I think uh, visitor to Sydney's the the nice term, but lockdown dodge is probably the other term that I just heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're, so, yeah. you're broadcasting from a certain location now because I think that they're, 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 there's people looking for you as we speak. But exactly. um, now, when when we when I sort of first spoke to you about uh, about uh, asking you to come on the podcast, I thought that we would talk about uh, comms and uh, safe harbour. 
but of course, when we when we prepped for this earlier earlier in the week, you know, Safe Harbour really is under the radar, and so I guess the comms aspect of it isn't such a challenge. But having said that, I did want to just quickly talk. You, you were involved in a in a pretty large Safe Harbour recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, so we were the Safe Harbour advisors on the uh, Roger Davis stores um, uh, situation, which ended up uh, unfortunately went into voluntary administration, but. The result was that uh, you know the directors achieved uh, protection via the safe harbour uh, legislation, and uh, ultimately went into a deed of company arrangement, which provided a very good return to to creditors. Um, but it was something that we always had an eye on in terms of when was the exit um, for, for for the directors, um, because you can only go so far under safe harbour um, before you you'll be falling foul of the legislation, which is you know when's it reasonably likely to. Um, achieve a better outcome um, and that reasonable likelihood is going to get further and further away the longer you go. Now, now we, I do talk to some people and they say, oh, safe harbour's not working, there's no safe harbour. But, of course, the whole point of safe harbour is that it's it's not something you've got to print in the papers or set, issue notices about it. It is meant to be, um, you know, behind... Uh, it's, 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 it's not something you have to announce. So um, do, do you think there's a lot more of it than what, than what we think? Or what, what I mean, obviously, uh, you've been involved in some. I mean, is there a lot of it going on? Yeah, mate, look, there, there, I think there is a lot more than uh, what people think. Uh, definitely, it's not a it's not a disclosed process, as you said, but um, it's deliberately designed that way. So, and, you know, Holly was talking about reputation and brand and things like that. So when you go into voluntary administration, immediately you're sort of, uh, disclosing to the world that uh, you've got an external administrator appointed, they're running the business, and it, it does affect brand. Um, and in quite a number of cases, brand is is valuable, um, especially when it's been a long-standing brand. Um, so, and if you're talking about part of your strategy might be to sell that brand as part of a, a makeup, then preserving the value in that brand is imperative. So, having that safe harbour run in the background is is very helpful. It protects the directors. It also allows non-executive directors to not get cold feet and want to sort of either jump off the board or um, or appoint administrators to avoid any insolvent trading uh, process. So that gives them some comfort. It also means that you don't lose that expertise of the non-execs um, because otherwise they'll leave. Um, so you manage to preserve a very good board and you'll manage to uh, hold on to that brand, hold on to that reputation and then, you know, if necessary, communicate with the people that are key to making sure some of the plans that you've got in terms of that safe harbour turnaround um, engagement can come off um, or have the best chance of coming off without necessitating a formal appointment. Yeah, I guess uh, that, that's the whole thing, isn't it? And one of the biggest issues that, that anybody has in trying to save a business is people usually, you know, that you get to it too late because they didn't put their hand up early enough. And the reason they didn't put their hand up early enough was because they were worried about their reputation. They were worried about saving face. And obviously Safe Harbour is meant to be uh, a mechanism where you can get some early intervention uh, and hopefully save the business, but it obviously doesn't always turn out that way. Uh, but having said that, you know, you've, you you do have to, uh, you know, you've got to sometimes face the music and um, and then, then it does become a messaging exercise. So with that, Shane, I think we will bring, in, bring Holly back. 
Okay. So, look, I thought that uh, there's a couple of aspects to what I wanted to talk about today. One is managing the stakeholders and communicating with the stakeholders. Another one is, uh, you know, having got through the crisis, then managing the reputation moving forward. But uh, I thought maybe we could start off with my, my little doodle, if we could put that up. And I have a sketch here. Uh, uh, I've said before, uh, over Christmas, I did a little sketching course and I'm going to use it, damn it. Um, so I've got this little diagram of who's involved in a, in, a, in a restructure and it could be a formal restructure or informal, whatever it might be. You've got customers. You need to, obviously, you need the customers to, to not abandon you because uh, obviously for obvious reasons. You've got your suppliers. You don't want your suppliers stopping supply. Uh, you've got your bank. You certainly don't want the bank or your financiers to, to pull the pin on you. Uh, you've got your employees. You need your employees to turning up. And I guess, I think Holly's probably going to tell us that your employees are, uh, you know, many of them are customer facing and you need them to be, be uh, uh, messaging with the outside world as well. And of course, uh, there's there's the regulators, you know, the ATO, FEG and ASIC, um, who are keeping an eye on you as well. So I guess I'll ask you first, Shane, uh, having a look at, at all those stakeholders, I mean, which, uh, let, let's start with, um, Say with with the supplier. Well, who 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 who? What's the biggest challenge uh, when you when you've got to deal with stakeholders? Is it the suppliers? Is it the employees? Who's the? Yeah, look, mate. It varies from business to business. Um, is is the reality of it? Um, and I'll give you an example of a VA that we did um, pre-pandemic, which was uh, we went in the business couldn't operate, but it had massive orders from customers, but the customers are a little bit sort of offside because they hadn't been getting supply on a regular basis. The reason they weren't getting supply is because the suppliers weren't supplying the company. Um, and that was a combination of inability to pay, non-communication. Um, so we went in there as voluntary administrators, um, spoke to the secured creditor. The secured creditor was prepared to support us to get the supply turned back on. We spoke to the suppliers. They were prepared to do it on a you know, new account with us as voluntary administrators. Then we communicate with all the customers saying, are your orders still good? They say yes. And we converted, you know, 1.3 million bucks of WIP over three weeks, kept the employees on. And we, we were just up front with the employees. We said, look, we've only got this WIP here to complete. At the end of that three weeks, um, uh, your, your employment will be terminated. But once once we get through that process, so we didn't have any employees walk on us. Um, they all stayed, got the WIP done. The now, now, I'll just I'll just hold you up there because there's just yep. going to become a jargon bingo. Uh, you're saying whip now, of course, Holly and I know what whip is and work <laughs> in progress. But a lot of people yes. know what 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 you're saying is that you, when you got involved, you had a whole lot of work in progress. I guess an order book you might say that was in various yep. stages of completion, and you needed to complete that. So that that's what you're talking about about there. That's right. Um, Holly, so having having heard that, you know, as I, you know, I know that we've been talking about employees, and I guess the employees are really communicating with those other stakeholder groups, aren't they? With the customers and with the suppliers. I mean, it's one thing for for Shane to talk about talking to the suppliers, but at the end of the day, it's the employees who take delivery of the orders and maybe putting the orders through. Um, so it, what, what, I mean, how, tell us about situations where you're, um, you know, you're trying to get the messaging through the employees. Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is that, uh, we were discussing this earlier, that 
you know, it is so important to communicate fundamentally because in the vacuum of information, people make things up and that's where things really can go sideways. And particularly when you've got front-facing um, or public-facing employees that have to deal with um, customers or suppliers or so forth, you need to empower them with enough information so they feel comfortable that they can deal with any questions that might come to them um, and they can do that in a fairly authentic way. So it's it's really understanding what the message is that you can empower them with. But fundamentally, we've got to remember that when you're going through any kind of change like this, the heart of an employee's they really, everyone in the chain, really, every stakeholder wants to know what's what's in it for me or how's it going to affect me. And if you can give them some sense of certainty and explain to them what's happening, as Shane's outlined, um, you're going to win some trust there. And they're going to be the ones that can be the ambassadors for you on your front line and really help you get through that period. So, um, you know, having good what we call internal communication or employee uh, communication needs to be where it really begins, I would say. So I guess, um, you know, what you, uh, you, you get involved a lot in construction, right? So, uh, you know, where you have issues uh, on a job site, the last thing you need is all the employees walking off site. And the trouble is you might have, you've got multiple subcontractors there, right? So, you know, the, we're not, it's not, a job site isn't just one employer. There's the electrical company, there's the, you know, the steel guys, there's the concrete guys. And I imagine, Shane, that, uh, you know, your, your client that you're dealing with might be the concreter. Uh, but of course, those guys are talking to, you know, the other the other businesses are on on site. Um, and have you so have you had those sort of situations where, um, you know, where you've had employees walk off, and how do you get them back? Yeah, they had had some situations where employees have um, been more supportive of the business, and and in most cases, it was just because they'd had an absolute uh, enough of uh, where the situation was. Um, it's or there's alternative options available for them. Um, the other thing too is that we've, when you're explaining to the employees, if it's in a um, voluntary administration scenario and you're talking to them about uh, ongoing work and how what that um, may look like in the future, the initial period you're saying, look, we're going to get through this next four weeks. Um, and then hopefully after that, there'll be you know, a deed of company arrangement put in place. And that was when it will go forward from there. Um, they don't really find uh, a lot of comfort sometimes in, in that. And if you've got a robust job market, um, you may lose them fairly quickly. Um, yeah. And they might be picked up quite often. They get picked up by the developer themselves or by the builder themselves to complete the work on site. And then the builder severs the relationship with the with the company. Um, but the, the relationships are pretty, in those situations are already very toxic or very sour and it's just a, and it's an opportunity to say that's enough so so holly who what's the actual process i mean how do you you know do, do you what's the process for deciding what the message is and then you know do you then what's the next process to get that message into the employees because as you said you're turning the employees into ambassadors both for their suppliers and the other tradies say on a job site if that's what it is and um so what, what, what's the process I mean, I guess you've got to come up with a message and then deliver the message. Well, it's really understanding where we're at in the process and what's actually going on. So if there is, I'm going to give you an example here of, say, um, it's um, it's more an acquisition sort of situation. So a company buying another company out. And, um, and 
you've got obviously internal communications that you that you need to work out, but you need to explain how that's going to happen. But you need to know exactly where you're at in that process. And as Shane would know, it, it's very much case by case, and it depends on where you're at, how far down the path you're at. And I always advocate um, being as transparent as possible, as quickly as possible. And even though being able to say, look, we've just got to get through the next four weeks, it, it doesn't feel good to anyone. It's, <laughs> it's, it's often the best you can do in that situation. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Nick, uh, when it comes to reputation, often it's about what you've done before you need to really think about um, managing these comms. It's about how you do treat people in the lead up to it. And hopefully you've built, built some good trust um, and there's a good culture there that there's an understanding that you're doing the best you can in the circumstance as well. But in terms of working out that message, you really do need in that room all the key advisors that you would need and work through what's practical to be communicating right now, what's the best way to keep people feeling as positive as possible without gilding the lily, um, you know, being as transparent as we can. And, and how do we progress that? Because one message doesn't hold. One message will hold for a time, but you need to evolve that message. So it's very much a live situation. I guess, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, made, you mentioned, uh, I guess, mergers and acquisitions, really, because, you uh, you know, where you have, I mean, it's one thing where we're talking about a business turnaround or a reconstruction, whatever it might be. But in, an, in a merger scenario, uh, you know, often, particularly if you've got a larger company taking over a smaller company, uh, you know, people are worried about their jobs and, you know, they're saying, well, you know, they've got 20 salespeople and we've got 15 salespeople. They don't need 35 salespeople, you know, that mm. sort of thing. So I guess you've got the employees worried about whether or not they're going to have a job, uh, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but definitely in a, um, you know, in a VA situation specifically, uh, again, you know, I've I've a couple of times been around boardrooms um, for weekends with, um, you know, the accountants and the barristers and the solicitors uh, and, you know, all, all the key advisors to actually work out, well, what is our plan? And now we have our plan. What is the communication around that? So um, that's what really guides the message is where we're going from here. What's the pathway? Uh, and then understanding those key stakeholders and what matters most to each of those uh, stakeholders. And then you need to tailor that message so that it resonates for them and it's not just white noise or it's not just too motherhoody and they go, oh, yeah, what I don't believe it. So that's the other yeah. thing is actually being able to land the message with integrity um, or, or, you know, so that they can take hold of that and, and feel that there's truth in it because, you know, as you guys know, when there's any kind of conflict or change, you know, that's that's water cooler fodder. So you want to try and minimise that and manage the narrative as much as possible. Yeah, I know in uh, in transport businesses, for example, uh, you know, you've got the, the drivers of the trucks, you know, they're, they're, they're seeing the customers and, and you know, they're, they're making a delivery and then they're bad-mouthing the company. And then, oh, I don't know, I've only got four, they've told me I've got four weeks, you know, I'm out of here, I'm looking for a job or those, you know, those so-and-sos. But do you, is it a matter of, let's say it's a transport business for argument's sake, I mean, are you getting them into a room and giving them a presentation? What's the... 
So it can vary um, in different situations that we've done. We've had um, we've had face-to-face -face meetings. We've had um, we've nominated people in the team to go and manage certain stakeholders um, because they have existing relationships. So it's actually understanding who your champions are at the moment in that moment and being able to empower them to go and 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 be the advocate and go. Okay, I need to talk to you about this. Let's do this. So we might do um, an information session um, and you know we might issue there might be email comms that we'll issue as well in terms of direct contact and then there's a face-to-face -face, just one-on-one -on -one discussions that happen well and I think that's the important thing is that you know um, it is the existing stakeholders and those good relationships that you've got as well that you need to shore up it's not just the people that that will be necessarily affected by it such as the employees, and Nick, your beautiful cartoon maps that out really, um, really nicely. That there, there are so many other people in this puzzle um, to hold close and keep that communication flowing. Because if something does go wrong, and and we've also talked that sometimes it's through no fault of someone's uh, that something has happened. Someone becomes in the crosshairs, and uh, so very much it's about talking to those advocates that they've already got, the people that know them, know what they're about, know what their character is. And that 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 really is fundamental to how you can get through these things. And actually, if you have to, then repair a damaged reputation as well. All right, well, we'll get onto that in a moment. We'll just move on to that, that in a sec. I just wanted to... Um to ask Shane, what what about what's the role of the owners in in, in this? I mean, do you, have you ever had a situation, Shane, where you know you think that look, we've got a, we can get a good message out there and we can get all the stakeholders on board, but but the the owners of the business are the obstacle. Yeah, they can be the obstacle. Absolutely, um, they they can be sort of very helpful, or they can be an absolute obstacle. So um, we've had a number of scenarios where they don't want to engage with whether it be the staff and it's usually the staff or the employees of the company um, or they don't want to basically be on message they effectively hide behind the appointee um, which is not it's not a good process especially when you're talking about a VA that's going to go towards a deed because you're going to put the back into the driver's chair so it's best that they take a level of control and a level of understanding obviously with the oversight of the voluntary administrators um, and under our control but at least they can step up, um, have some proper messaging to the employees, even if it means that they've got to swallow some pride because what we usually find is they've promised the world and delivered nothing. And the reason they promise the world is they think if they keep selling the upside that they won't lose their employees. Um, and the opposite's true in most in instances, whereas if they just told them the absolute truth and the pro where they were at truly, um, they would have a little bit more respect from the employees back towards them and they'd probably work better for them as a team as opposed to a, more of a, well, you've kept me in the dark, now why am I going to work for you? So, which, you know, we've we got to take into account when we're looking at a restructure as to how that's, going to how that's going to play out on the other side and then you look at the makeup of the board and it may be that you need to promote someone off the floor um, or bring someone into a more... Um, powerful position that has a good rapport with the employees to make sure that the company can continue to survive um, despite some of the messaging that come from the directors in the first place. Well, I, th I think it's interesting. I, I know I've seen myself scenarios. It, it comes down to a question of leadership, and I guess that's a whole different discussion. But, you know, I've, I've seen the CEO of the business, uh, you know, almost 
taking the side of the employees to, in, in terms of messaging and griping and complaining about what's going on. And I said, listen, buddy, you know, you need to act like a leader. Uh, you're the one that's got to rally these troops. Uh, you know, you don't need to be sitting around the water cooler complaining and woe is me uh, with them. But that, that's another story. I will say it's interesting. I mean, again, uh, we can have a great discussion around the Christine Holgate. You know, she's taken on that role at Toll um, and uh, Allegro have got, have got her involved there. I think that could be a masterstroke. I mean, obviously, she's someone who's got strong communication skills. And uh, so I guess that sort of talks a little bit uh, to what you're saying there, Shane. You've got a, an acquisition scenario and, you, and you're going to put someone in the chair who's going to... Uh, who's going to, to make a bit of a splash. Um, so, Holly, let's talk about reputation repair. Um, so I guess, that, you know, you've got a business, whatever the scenario might be, it might be a business that's gone through a restructure, it might be a developer that's had, a, you know, some issues with a particular site. Um, talk, what, talk us about that process of reputation repair. Yeah, so the first thing I want to say about that is um, this stuff can really hurt on a deep emotional level, right? So, uh, and and I've been on the on the front line and t had a front row seat to see uh, on a number of occasions where it's really taken a big personal toll. So the first thing I would say is you you really need to, if you're faced with this kind of situation, um, you need to try and separate the logic from the emotion. It's it's so critical in terms of then being able to plot a pathway out, because if you're guided by emotion the whole time, you, you, you know you're going to be wanting to get onto to Facebook and reply to the messages and 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 get into some online battle, and you're going to want to shoot from the hip. A lot of people do. Um, so the first thing is to try and take some steam out of it, and then you really consider what the true situation is. And one thing I wanted to mention is that obviously the media plays a big role in the damage that can be brung to a reputation or, or brought upon a reputation. And, you know, with the greatest respect to my um, my colleagues in the media and, and past friends and current, they don't always get it right. Um, but they're not always necessarily def defamatory either. So it's very hard to prove that. And I've known a few people that have tried to go down that path, again, fueled by this emotional need to, to right the wrong. Um, but... I think we need to put the media aside in one, one sense and say the things you can control in repairing your reputation is the content you can create for yourself and the channels that you can control. And the media is not a channel that you can control. You can influence it, you can work at that, you can get someone like me in there to help you. But the reality is it's not the platform to fight the fight. So. Um, really when it comes to it it's really looking at the landscape and saying what's the true damage here what do i need to rebuild and who is in my corner so start with your supporters think about the relationships you already have and the people that really know you and i touched on this earlier um, they're the ones that are going to help rebuild confidence and rebuild the word of mouth which is so critical in actually repairing a damaged reputation so that that nick is is really where i'd start Okay, well, that's, uh, I've just had a comment here from uh, Bill Guthrie, who's uh, an old colleague of mine. And uh, Bill, uh, we had a Guthrie electrical truck out the front of our office recently. Um, but uh, he's saying that in an SME, you don't have, if you don't have the right people on side before you go in, extremely difficult to keep your people working to make money and you need good support. I was lucky to have the right people to assist. Thank you very much for that comment, Bill. Um, so I guess that's what uh, that's that's what Holly's saying. But the other thing that you're saying, Holly, is um, that it was interesting. You're sort of almost going into a deeper level there with the individual 
um, in terms of not being angry. It's very easy to you know to get on social media and bang out the uh, you know the replies. Uh, I suppose you've probably had situations where you've worked hard to get a message right, and then someone's got off the leash and ruined it with uh, with, with a couple of tweets or uh, or, or Facebook replies. Did, well, Shane, do you ever in your restructuring? I mean, do you have you ever had to deal with social media? Uh, you know, social media firestorms. Uh, yeah, Roger David, for yeah. example. Yeah, no, look, not not at all on the Roger David stuff. Um, so uh, that obviously there was a lot of press about it um, going into voluntary administration. Obviously, but uh, the voluntary administrators dealt with that, um, and they also dealt with the deed. So, um, but for for the most part, that was a pretty good news story off a off a bad result in terms of it had to go into voluntary administration. Um, but yeah, there's always the odd uh, loose cannon in in some of these restructuring programs where people will put out tweets or they might put out a Facebook post, um, and that's probably why you won't find many uh, insolvency practitioners with social media outlets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, I probably get a little bit too much social media myself, but. It's a bit of a big... <laughs> so. so Nick, I was just going to say on the social media front, what we found last year um, in 2020 was that we had a lot more, um, so certainly also in the in the wake of Opal Tower, we've seen a lot of builders and developers really understanding the importance of building reputation and building trust. And so we've seen a lot more go onto social media and really start to populate that content in the last um, 12, 12 months, really. And, um, and that stuff is actually critical. So on one hand, while, while social media can be really dicey, if you, you can really use it to help build up that, um, that library or um, history of positive content as well. well and yeah, we, we were talking about, I, uh, I had a, a friend who uh, got into a little bit of trouble and, uh, you know, he, he's his story made the made the major papers and uh, so every time you googled his name bang the first thing that came up was uh, was this nasty story and but you're saying that one way of dealing with that is to make sure you got lots of good content uh ongoing yeah look it's interesting we've we've worked with uh we've been called into situations where We've worked with a client that has an extraordinarily low profile, for example, very private. And there are a lot of people in this industry that really prefer to operate that way. You know, do what they're good at, um, don't need to thump their chest and tell the world how great they are. However, um, it, it, uh, in a couple of situations that we've worked on, it's really worked against them because when the, these stories have um, happened and they've they've happened and they've gone big, and I'm talking front page of Sydney Morning Herald stuff. So when when that happens and and Finn and the Australian the whole thing and TV when it when it goes big like that and you're googling you you want to find out more about that person or that company you Google it and if they're the only things they can find they've got nothing positive to counteract the news yeah. Yeah. and for people to consider well hang on a minute. They've been doing some really good stuff and this person's actually really decent. They've won all these awards. They must be really good at this. So what's yeah. going on here? So yeah. just, and even when we've looked at, you know, um, possibly floating more positive news to the top, if there's no positive news there at all, 
there's no way you can budge those negative headlines off the search results. Right. So this is when you're talking about trying to get some news that's already, you know, on social media somewhere to try and float it up. But if it's not there in the first place, well, uh, social you've got, you've and got mainstream as well. And yeah, mainstream, social yeah. mainstream. Yeah. So I guess you would argue that's that's you know part of the ongoing role of PR is to make sure that you are getting. Uh, you are getting stories into the mainstream as well. Because I, I guess if you, you know, if I'm watching, if I see an article, or say, see something on TV and I Google the person's name and the mm -hmm. only thing that comes up are the two or three articles about, you know, whatever the latest disaster is and nothing else, that defines that. That's that's the whole definition that's of that it. person. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the story told. And yeah. uh, it, it's tough. And even, you know, being able to use your own channels, your web, own website um, to, to be that, um, source document, I suppose, um, is good. But having third-party um, articles or being able to find more information on 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 you in different places that is positive and does shine light on on the, you know, the, those great things that you've done or, or you've been known for, um, are, are just as important, even more so. So maybe uh, someone like Shane, we were talking earlier that because, you know, because you and I, Shane, deal in corporate restructuring, you know, sometimes sometimes things don't, you know, don't turn out well. And of course, everybody wants to blame you or me. Um, so, you know, maybe you should be on the socials making sure there's plenty of uh, plenty of good stories out there so that when someone does Google you on something, they can see that you, you know. Um, so, so maybe that maybe there's an element of that as well. Consult after Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the other thing is, Holly. I'm thinking about just sort of tying back to what we were talking about before with employees. Um, you know, it's, it's part of it. I mean, part of the the messaging. You know, getting a, getting an article in the paper, for example, is about communicating with the outside world. But is that also, to some extent, you know, part of your strategy for dealing with the employees as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know. Um, I think um, uh, your gentleman that commented before was talking about if you don't have your employees on board when something goes pear-shaped, then then you don't have any hope. Similar like the, similarly, um, you know, employees need to read about what will read about what's going on in the traditional media, but but being able to um, engage them in a way, build up build up the content that they're going to be proud of, is is really important it's about giving them a sense that that you know they're working for a decent organization that um that you know that yeah i'm going to stick in here they're doing the right thing by me i'm going to do the right thing by them um so the the employee piece is is really critical i'm just thinking of another another situation nick where um where we had a situation where we had some delays in construction on, on a project and we needed to let, obviously, the buyers know. But we needed to empower the front frontline staff, so the customer service staff, to really understand what was going on there. And they were just getting inundated with calls, you know, people wanting to know what's happening, what's happening. And, and delays in construction, are, you know, they happen every day of the week for a variety yeah. of reasons. So it's... Um, but, but again, without empowering those those employees to be able to at least have a conversation not feel awkward and uncomfortable um you know, that is incredibly important and and that if you give them the tools so they can do the job they have to do they're going to be much more inclined to, to be, you're going to be much more um, able to keep their trust and they're going to be helping you through whatever process it is that you have to go through okay well, that's uh, I guess uh, Shane. It's it's interesting because I, I called this uh, this podcast 
uh, you know, I think I use the term words and numbers. I guess, you know, as, as a, a restructuring person, you know, you, you do have a lot of statutory obligations and, a lot, you know, a lot of reports and they have to be presented in a special way. Um, but, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I guess that there is this, um, this marketing, you know, to some extent, spin or whatever it might be um, that, 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 that can play an important role as well. Um, all right, well, look, we, we're gonna, we not are going spin, to... Nick, not spin, Nick, not spin. Not spin. Sorry, We're not in the sorry. business of spin. Come on, gentlemen. Uh, just, <laughs> just facts. Just, just, just the facts. facts. Just the facts. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, the yeah. facts. Um, all right. Well, look, Shane. Uh, I, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll just sort of wrap up. Uh, any, any sort of closing thoughts uh, from you, Shane? No, mate. We're just sort of on exactly what you said. Then, like for us, the number, the numbers are the numbers. Um, but it's how we present those numbers and the, the messaging. Uh, between your own staff and obviously the staff of the current company that we're looking after um, and to the wider stakeholder group um, is as important um, in terms of a restructuring position um, as the numbers that you're faced with because you can work with the numbers um, and they are what they are, but the messaging is very important. Yeah. Okay. Holly? Look, um, business at the end of the day for me is all about relationships. And yes, it's the numbers and, and I get the numbers, but but managing those relationships through good communication will help you rise from the ashes um, or, you know, go into your second or third act or whatever it needs to be. Understanding the importance of behaving well throughout whatever process you're going through, I think is, is something to bear in mind. And, um, you know, the, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's, it's you know, there is another another chance and that's the most important thing is putting yourself in a position that if something does go catastrophically wrong, it's not the end for you. It's interesting, Holly. You might agree with uh, my assertion that I make, not glibly, but, you know, I just wonder whether or not and sometimes in business you, you, you're better off studying Shakespeare and history uh, rather than rather than getting a business degree sometimes because it is all about people and relationships and communications, isn't it? I mean, we can learn how to do the we can learn how to do the numbers and and all of that sort of stuff. But understanding relationships is very important. All right. Well, look, I'd like to thank you both. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining me today. Uh, thank you, Shane. I hope that uh, I hope that they don't catch up with you. Uh, the, that the people looking for you, the, the lockdown police. And it's been great having you, Holly. It's 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 wonderful to to get um, you know to get that that angle and those, those uh, different points of view. So very much, uh, very much appreciated. Uh, to our Thanks viewers, uh, if, if, you're watching us, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification button. And if, you, um, if you're listening to us on a podcast, uh, how about you go and give us a rating? That'd be great. Fantastic. Five stars, of course. All right. Thank you very much. Take it easy. Cheers.